Welcome to the Forward Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date with our latest episodes. Now let's get ready to dive into today's message. We know you'll be blessed. God is worthy and he's in this place tonight. Amen. Everybody stand to your feet. We're going to go straight into the word. It's first Wednesday. I've got a uh, short time and we got a long way to go and I'm trying, I'm not trying to quote Smokey and the Bandit tonight, but I'm ready to preach the word. Y'all ready for the word? Let me set this up. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter four. I'm going to read one verse of scripture for our main text tonight, and then we're going to be getting into a lot of different scripture. This is going to be scripture heavy tonight. Are y'all ready? I hope you are, because if not, you're going to, you're going to get fed a lot. You're going to get fed a lot tonight. It's up to you whether you have room to consume. Do you have room to consume? I hope you do. How many of y'all know we're in need of godly relationships in 2024? This is the month of February. Love is in the air. Students are in here with us tonight. <laughs> we're going to leave that right there. I'm going to be taking the month of February, and I'm going to be focusing on relationships and family. As a matter of fact, I'm starting a series this Sunday called Focus on the Family. All of this that I'm going to be preaching about tonight is setting up what I feel like God is speaking to this church for this season. I believe that there is a need that we need to understand what God says about marriage. We need to understand what God says about relationships when it comes to being single. You know, there are some champions in the faith who just remain single, and that's okay. Because we don't need other people for fulfillment in life. I don't get my, I'm, I'm going ahead, I'm preaching. Let me get to this text. All of this that I'm going to be preaching about tonight is going to be setting me up for the rest of this month because tonight what we're going to be dealing with is, is, is really the heart because if, until your heart is where it needs to be, nothing else will line up. So the condition of our heart will de determine the condition of our lives. Remember that. The condition of your heart will determine the condition of your life. I think that in this day, in this hour, we have a cardiovascular disease going on in a spiritual sense. Cardio, uh, cardiovascular disease is one of the top killers in the health world. I also believe in the spiritual sense, cardiovascular disease is one of the top killers in the church. Because in a spiritual sense, when your heart is not where it needs to be with God, you are much easier veered in a wrong direction and in a wrong path because you are following the desires of we're, we're going somewhere. I'm going to be reading from the NIV tonight, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, above all else, guard your above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. I want to take a few moments and I want to share with you a message titled, The Name of on your heart, the name on your heart. Will you pray with me? God, I praise you and I love you. I worship your name, God, because I know you are the name above all names. You are the name by which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And God, I just praise God. I praise you in your house and in your sanctuary. I pray your anointing upon my lips. God, let everything I say, everything I do, let it be ordained by you, nothing more and nothing less. 
Let it pierce the hearts of this congregation, God, tonight, that we wouldn't just be hearers of your word, but doers. I pray, God, this all the time, and I, I mean this. I don't want a single one of us to leave this place tonight the same way we walked in. And I'll give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for everything that's accomplished. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. High five two or three people and tell them, get ready. How many of y'all know God is with us in this place tonight? You feel his presence in here. Man, what an awesome worship experience that we have the Holy Spirit moving in, in our midst. You know, a lot of time we sing these songs, and a lot of time we, we are just... We're, we're just, I feel like sometimes you just, you know, sometimes you pay, praise him on credit and you just proclaim God, even though I don't feel you moving in our midst, I know that you're moving in our, but I felt him moving in our midst and I believe he's still in our midst and I believe he's got a word for you tonight. So when we read Proverbs 23, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. I want you to understand something. Jesus shows up on the scene in the New Testament, and when Jesus came into this world, his mission was to get Christianity to move away from just being external to becoming internal. And I want to, I want to tell you what I mean. This, by the way, is the biggest difference between Old Testament and New Testament. I'm going to set this up. I'm going to do a little teaching right, right up front. If you want to know the biggest difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, Old Testament was all external. Old, Old Testament told you to obey the law just because that's, that was the right thing to do. New Testament, Jesus shows up on the scene. He says, no longer are, is the law going to be written on tablets of stone, but I'm going to write the law on your, the tablet of what? Your heart. Look at somebody and say, it's a matter of the heart. See, your heart determines, the condition of your heart determines the condition of your life. This is what Jesus meant when he was talking about adultery. See, in the Old Testament, the, the, the law said that you should not commit adultery. And Jesus shows up on the scene and he's talking to the religious teachers of the day. He says, well, what does the law say? The law says don't commit adultery. But he, what did Jesus say? He said, but I say he, the man who even looks at a woman with lust, has already committed adultery. See, we, and, and I'm going I'm to go somewhere in this series that I'm launching Sunday, but see, the law was the, the, the law reveals sin. Law reveals the condition of your heart, but only grace and the power of the Holy Spirit can actually change your heart. And actually, grace takes it a step further than even the law. If we, if we really want to look at it, and I'm going, I, I'm getting, I'm, I'm chasing a rabbit right here, if you'll just give me a minute. A lot of times we want to argue and bicker over whether or not tithes is a commandment in the New Testament or not because it was a law giving in the Old Testament and a lot of people will say, well, I'm under the grace dispensation of grace that I don't have to pay tithes. That's not this and that and the other. Listen, I'm here to tell you something that Jesus gave his best for us and whether or not you give 10% is between you and the Lord. But I'm going to tell you something. Grace calls us to give a whole lot more than what the law said because grace tells me that I'm to lay my life down as a sacrifice, which is my reasonable act of worship. And so you can sit here and, 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 and you know, well, I got paid $798 last week, so I'm going to tithe, tithe uh, $79.80. Just go ahead. 
rounded up. People sitting there with their calculator these days trying to figure out how to, you're living by the law. And uh, what I'm trying to tell you is um, it's, a, it's a matter of the heart. It's a condition of your heart. And until your heart is in the right place, I'm, I'm not even planning on preaching on tithes tonight. That's just for free. Look at your neighbor and say, that's for free. Come on, somebody. But Jesus shows up on the scene. Look at Matthew 19, 3 through 8. I told you this is going to be heavy in Scripture tonight. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap him with the question, should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Have you read the Scriptures? Jesus replied. They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female, which the Bible is very clear on that. Let me just go ahead and say that. Okay. But anyway, and he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. And since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. But then they're trying to trip Jesus up. And so what do they do? They say, then why can't you just hear the snarkiness in their little Pharisee attitude? Can, it's the religious people. Oh, then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his, I need to calm down. <laughs> then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away, they asked. Look at what Jesus said. I love Jesus' reply right here. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to what? Your hard hearts. Meaning, and go, go, go read further, but it was not what God had originally intended. Meaning this, it wasn't God's original design, but it was because of the condition of people's hearts. And so long story short, we need to address the condition of our hearts. The Old Testament one of the garments, I want to get some, some teaching in tonight. In the Old Testament, one of the garments that the priest would put on would be the, the breast piece of decision. Have y'all ever heard of this piece of uh, a garment before? The breast piece of decision. Now, what they would do, the priest would actually, the priest represented God to the people and represented the people to God. In the Old Testament, the priests would go in and they would make sacrifices in the temple periodically for the sins of the nation. And so what they would do, it was very meticulous. They would dress up in these priestly garments in order to go in and enter the presence of God. In other words, they had to prepare a certain way before they approached God. Now, I want you to understand something today. You say, well, pastor, that's this Old Testament. Yeah, but the Bible says in the New Testament that we are a kingdom of priests. So every single one of us, every time we approach God, this is going to relate to you and I tonight. Are y'all ready for this? Exodus chapter 28, 29, and 30. Whenever Aaron, Aaron was who? A priest. Enters the holy place, or in other words, comes into the presence of God. Time out. New Testament. Jesus died on the cross. The veil of the temple was what? Ripped from top to bottom. And so no longer is, is, is the presence of God confined to the holy of holies. But now the Bible says we can boldly enter into the presence of God. And so keep that in mind, okay? So every time Aaron, the priest, which represents us because we are a kingdom of priests, comes into, uh, enters the holy place or comes into the presence of God, he bears the names of the sons of Israel 
over his heart on the breast piece of decision as a continual memorial before the Lord. Thus Aaron will always bear the means of making decisions, don't miss this, for the Israelites over his heart before the Lord. Now, I want you to understand what I'm trying, the point that I'm trying to make. Every time you come to God, you are bearing the name of something that has been written on your heart. It's getting quiet now. You know why? Because it's about to get personal. Every time you come into God's house, you are bearing a name of something written on your heart. Just like Aaron was bearing the names of something written on the breastplate of decision on that garment that he was carrying, New Testament, your heart has many things written upon it tonight. And every time you approach God, everything is filtered through the names on your heart. And it determines what you receive when you get into the presence of God. In other words, we are the, we are the sum total of all of our experiences in life or the things that have happened to us or been spoken over us. There's experiences that you have gone through. There's things that have been spoken over you. Listen to me, all eyes up here. There's moments in time when, when you go through an experience or somebody speaks something over you and it marks you for the rest of your life. You never forget it. It might be a, a tragedy that you went through. It might have been uh, some type of unforgettable experience. But all of that is on our heart, and that's why we can, listen to me, that's why we can all be in the same setting and receive it completely differently than the person sitting beside us. That's why we can be in the same move of the Holy Spirit, the same anointed preaching, the same anointed teaching, the same anointed worship, and the person beside you feels like they're Shundai and Hyundai and running the aisles. Come on, somebody. And you're like, why in the world am I not experiencing what they're experiencing? It's because of the names that's written on your heart. Because we're all in the presence of God. But everything is filtered through the condition of your heart. A good way to word it is this. Everything is filtered through our pain, our past, our problems, and people. And a lot of you, that's what's written on your heart tonight. All, all that is written on your heart is your pain, your past, your problems, and what people have done to you. Listen to me. I'm preaching to somebody in this house tonight. I know it's getting real, and we're not standing on our head right now, but we're going to be. And everything, the sum total of your pain, the sum total of your problems, the sum total of your past, the sum total of what people have spoken over you is written on that breastplate over your heart. And when you come into God's presence, you're numb. You're numb. You're, you wonder why in the world am I, why ain't I shouting like Rosa shouting? Like, why ain't I jumping up and down like Pastor Jennifer? Why ain't I up there acting crazy like Pastor Justin and spitting hollering and right now? Listen, I know you're not going to worship like me. God didn't call you to be me. God didn't call you to be Rosa. God didn't call you to be Pastor Jennifer. God called you to be you. But I guarantee you he called you to worship him. And worship is an outward expression of his worth to you. And maybe you're not able to even lift up your hands and worship 
because of what's written on your heart tonight. We're going to deal with that. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to deal with that. See, because your decision-making has everything to do with your heart. Your life is going through the filters of things that has happened to you. I need, a, I need a Bible story, Pastor. Okay, here it is. We're going to go Old Testament a little bit. We're going to look at this. Genesis chapter 11, 27 through 28. As a matter of fact, we're going to look at 31 and 32. We're going to, a lot of scripture tonight. This is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram. We know Abram. You might not know Terah because Abram became who? Abraham. God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. How many of y'all know God actually called Terah to the promised land before he called Abraham to the promised land? Let's look what happened. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Some people say Haran. I'm going to say Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. And while his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Watch this. Haran died prematurely. Tragedy struck the family. Pain hit. The unexpected thing happened. The one thing that could trip them up, the world threw, the, threw, threw a curveball out of nowhere, either by disease or by accident, but here's the thing. God doesn't want you to get stuck in your Ur. That's why it's called Ur. Ur. Because he wants you to get out of Ur. Remember that. You're not called to stay in your Ur. Look at verse 27. This is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of, wait, yes. Look at verse 31, I'm sorry, 31 and 32. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to where? Canaan, because that's where God said go. God said go to Canaan. But look at this, but when they came to where? Haran or Haran, not the, not, the, not the person, but the place, when, but it's significant, it has a spiritual significance. It says that they settled there and Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. What does that tell me? What does that tell you? He came to Haran, the place, but this is a representation of the pain and sorrow that was written on his heart. He had a tragic experience. He lost a loved one. He lost a son prematurely. How do we know it was pre prematurely? Because the father was still alive. Something happened. Tragedy struck. And he got to a spiritual significant place and God, although God had told him to go to Canaan, which is what? Promised land. God has promises over your life. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to speak to what Pastor Brandon said earlier. God will bring your promises to pass. But I'm gonna tell you, it's gonna be according to the condition of your heart. Because if you let the pain, if you stop, if you let the pain stop you in your tracks, 
Until you let God change your heart, until you let God transform you from the inside out, you'll never reach your promised land. Terah died in Haran because he forfeited the promised land for the current pain that he was in. I'm telling somebody here tonight, you got to get past the pain. You got to press through the pain. You can't let the pain of the past stop you in your tracks and keep you from reaching the promised land that God has called you to. Why am I preaching this? Because I see this happening in 90% of church people. They let the pain of their past stop them from the promises that God has for them. So many times I witness people leave Ur and set their sights to Canaan, their promised land, but when they get to their pain, they never move beyond it. God called Terah to be great, but he settled for ordinary because he never dealt with the conditions of the heart. He never dealt with the name that was written on his heart. He never dealt with it. He buried it. And when he got to the place where his pain surfaced, he never did move beyond it. God called him to be extraordinary, but he settled for ordinary. And instead of reading about the God of Terah, Abraham, and Isaac, we read about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because Terah let the pain of his past stop him from his promises. This is powerful. I want someone here to know that God has extraordinary things for you. He's got extraordinary things for your future, but you can't forfeit your purpose and settle in your pain. Don't settle in Haran. Don't stay in Ur, but don't settle in Haran. God's got a Canaan in store. God's got a promised land in your future. Your future don't, your promised land, your Canaan might not look like my Canaan. But the plans that God has for you, declares the Lord, are good. Plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. But I'm here to tell somebody you are stuck in the pain of your past. And you need to let God change the condition of your heart. Let me show you one more Bible story. This story right here, I've got, I've got eight minutes, okay. This story shows how not only does God want to write good names over our hearts, but how the enemy also wants to write names over your heart. Listen to me. Here's what we're doing. This is the story of Daniel. How many of y'all know the story of Daniel? How many of y'all has ever heard the name Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? How many of y'all know that wasn't their names? Because we can all quote the name Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but I bet you none of you know their real names. You know why? Because I can't quote them. Let me set this up. This was written during a period when the people of God rejected him. They rejected God, so God removed his hand from the people of Israel. God removed his hand, and the Babylonians come, and they destroyed Jerusalem. They took the people of God captive, and they took them back to Babylon, which is really modern-day Iraq. That's a little side note right there. They took the people of God captive, and we pick up Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. Watch what happens when they get to Babylon. In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim, yeah, I'm proud of myself for, for that. King of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. 
These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, does that sound good? Chief of his court officials to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. It says this, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. It specifically says young men. You know why it says young men? Because that's when the names began to be written on your heart. A lot of times in life, that's when your heart begins to be formed to shape you into the person that you're going to become for the rest of your life. And what happens to you when you are young, I'm not just talking to young men, I'm talking to young women tonight too. I don't care how young you are, I don't care how old you are. Here's the thing, a lot of times, because we know what's happening in our culture right now, we know that there's an indoctrination taking place in our college campuses right now. And if you don't see it, then you're blind to the fact that, of what the Antichrist, the spirit of Antichrist is doing in our world right now. And if the world can't stand up and speak out against it, and if this pulpit can't stand up and speak out against it, then I don't know who will. But there is an indoctrination of all the things that is anti-Christ, anti-Bible, that is being pushed down the throats of our high school students and our kids and our college students. And I'm here to replace every lie with the truth of the Word of God tonight. And if you want me to get political, I will, but I figured you could just fill in the blanks tonight because it's really not political issues, it's biblical issues. I don't need CRT to tell me how to treat my neighbor because my Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. I don't care if they red, yellow, black, or white. I don't need CRT to tell me how oppressed a group of people is. I don't need LGBTQ activism to tell me what the Bible says and what is right and wrong. But I need to calm down. I'm about to step on too many toes, and I didn't come to do that tonight. Because the world knows, because I can't get away from this. The spirit that is evident in this scripture right here is still alive in the world that we live. They know that if they can get them while they're young, they can, you can call it Marxism, you can call it communism, you can call it whatever you want to call it, but my Bible calls it the spirit of Antichrist. If you want to put a name on it, and if that offends you, then come see me after church and we'll pray you through. I felt the, felt the boldness right there. I'm going to take the butter off the biscuit and make it plain. Come on, somebody. Look at this. That person's name that I have a hard time pronouncing, he was to teach these young people the language the, and the literature of the Babylonians. Not of their God. Not of a kingdom culture or a biblical culture. And I know, look, I'm trying to relate it to our, our, our terms today. But the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service among those. Here's, we're getting to the names. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah. Daniel, we all know Daniel. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. See, we all know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
But we don't know Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That was their God-assigned names. But how many of y'all know the enemy wants to write a name over your heart? The world wants to write a name over your heart. We're going somewhere. After 30 minutes, we're finally getting to where I wanted to get tonight. Yes. And the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. What's so significant about this? See, you don't really understand the significance until you start understanding what these names mean. I did the work for you. You don't have to look it up. You can later if you want to, but I got it written down. Y'all ready for this? Daniel means God is my judge. God is my judge. I have one God. He's who I answer to. I don't answer to no one else. I could preach right there. The world says there's many ways. I know it's old news. That's what Oprah believes. It's about 10, 15-year-old news right there. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Because that's what the world teaches. The Bible says that there's one way to the Father, and it's through the Son, Jesus Christ. Anyway, Daniel says, Daniel means God is my judge. What does Belteshazzar mean? Y'all ready for this? Lady, protect the king. Lady, protect the king. You know what just happened in this name change right here? Confused identity. Confused identity. A male boy reassigned a name from a male name to a ma- from a masculine name to a feminine name. We think it's something new that's happening today in 2024. Can I tell you, Antichrist has been alive and well from the beginning of time. Gender confusion didn't just pop up in the past three or four years. Gender dysphoria is not just something that that just magically appeared in the past three or four years. It's happening And it has happened. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And you have this confused identity right here where the world is trying to tell this young man who he is. Listen to me. I'm going to calm down and I'm going to quit hollering. The world will try to tell you who you are and who you're not. And I'm going to go somewhere with this. But there's only one person that can tell you who you are, and that's your creator. Your creator is the only one and I'm getting ahead of myself, but you let the one who created you identify you. And listen to me. From Hananiah, I got, I got to go over these names real quick. From Hananiah, Hananiah means Yahweh has been gracious. God is good. A, a, a picture of who our God really is. Not distorted or anything like that, but a clear picture. Yahweh is gracious. From Hananiah to Shadrach. Shadrach means I am fearful of God. Meaning not in a, in a sense of honor and respect, but in a sense of he's an angry God. 
He's, he's, he's just ready to, 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 to just strike you dead with anything that you, one mishap. And it's, what is this? It's a distorted spirituality. This has been happening for years and years and years. It's a distorted view. People think that they really know who God is and they don't have a clue who God is. They only know who God is based on what the world tells them about God. I ain't got time. From Michelle, what does Michelle mean? Who is what God is? Meaning, look how awesome God is. Come on to the keyboard. I got to land this plane. I'm losing everybody's attention. This awe of God, worshiping God, who is like you, God? A, a correct view of God in, 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 in his awesomeness in worship, a reverence of God. Who is like you, God? From Mishael to Meshach, which means I am despised, contemptible, and humiliated. What is this? Wounded emotions. Wounded emotions. I'm despised. I'm humiliated. What was the first thing Adam and Eve realized when, when they sinned? They were naked. Shame. They were humiliated. That's what the world will constantly do, and that's what sin will do. Sin will constantly shame you. Sin, the world will constantly humiliate you. Wounded emotions. From Azariah. What does Azariah mean? Yahweh has helped. Now listen to me. Here's what is so awesome about this because really Yahweh translated, defined, can literally be translated the God who prophesies to your future. Look at this. And from that name, from Azariah, which means Yahweh, the God who prophesies into my future, has helped, changes the name to Abednego, which means servant of Nebo. Now, that might not sound significant until you understand what Nebo means. Nebo means to prophesy. In other words, instead of letting Yahweh, the one true God, speak to your purpose and to your destiny, they're letting an idol, a false world religion, speak to their purpose. What is this? It's a redirected purpose. Because here's the thing, you were created for a purpose. And everybody is, is really, the, the, the overarching purpose for everybody under the sound of my voice is the same, it's to worship and bring glory to God the Father. Everything you do in life is to bring glory to God. But the world wants to redirect your purpose. And listen to me tonight, while your life may have taken a turn for the wrong, and in the wrong direction, God can redirect you in the path that he has for you. And I don't care what name's written on your heart tonight. So what's the, what's the prescription? A heart change, a name change. A lot of times, anytime God did something significant for someone in the Bible, what, what does it usually come with? A name change. Abram went to Abraham, Jacob, Israel, even in the New Testament, Simon to Peter, Saul to Paul, because God wants to write his name on your heart tonight.
Not what the world's written. Go ahead, give him praise. Not what the world's written. Not a name of shame or a name of confusion, of identity about who you are, or who you were created to be. Not a redirected purpose. Here's the thing, really, all four of those names, everything that happened, the prescription is hidden in those four things. Really quick, here's what we gotta do. Number one, let the one who designed me define me. Let the one who designed you define you. Don't let the world define you. Let the one who designed you. You have a divine designer. As a matter of fact, all creation has a divine design. I'm gonna get into this in my series that I'm gonna be launching this Sunday. I'm about to step on some toes right now. God, you better be in this. It brought to, it brought, it, it, it came in here. You better shut my lips if it's not of you. That's why the world is attacking the Genesis story, the flood, how old the earth is, all of that. I'm a, I'm a young earther. I'm a 6,000-year-old earth. I am because I believe in, in the story of Genesis. And here's what the world will do. The world knows if they can confuse you about the creation story and the flood, then they pull the very foundation out from under your feet and they start making you question everything else in the Bible. Let the one who designed you define you. Psalms 139, 13 through 16. For you created my inmost being. God created you. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Before you were even born. That's why at Forward Church, that's why we speak out against abortion. Because we believe life begins at the moment of conception. It's not just an embryo, it's a, it's a divine design. It's a, it's a life formed in the mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know, I know them. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. Even before I'm, I became who I am, all the days, meaning your story, who you are, your identity, what does it say? They were ordained for me. They were written in your book. God had your, God's written your story out. From the beginning of time, from the moment of time, God has defined you, but the enemy has tried to distort your identity and redefine you. And I'm here to give the enemy a black eye and I'm here to reclaim some sons and daughters for the kingdom of God tonight because you let the one who defined you or designed you define you. Number two, see God the right way. Don't have a distorted spirituality tonight. So many people have a distorted spirituality that can't even discern what's written in this book because they have a distorted spirituality based on what the world has told them instead of what this book actually says. This is really going down Psalms 139. Verse 17, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. You want to know, I always said this before, and I'm going to say it again tonight. You want to know who God really is, your heavenly father? I've always said this, and I, I forget who I heard this from. 
If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. That's how God thinks about you. Man, he loves you. He desires to be in a relationship with you. He thinks good thoughts, precious are your thoughts about me. God's just not up there ready to, I can't wait till they mess up. Oh. But that's what the world tells you. It's what the world tells you. See God the right way. Number three, allow God to heal your heart because only God can do it. I can't do it. This, this, no one else can do it. Only God can do it. Psalms 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Meaning, peel back the curtain. You can keep it hid if you want to. You keep it hid, nothing's going to change. You can come in. You can come to church. We can have a move of the Holy Ghost. We can have speaking in tongues, shouting, uh, dancing. We can have interpretation. We can have prophecy. We can have healing. We can have all the gifts of the Spirit. And you can sit there like a knot on a log and leave the same way you walked in because you keep your heart closed off to God. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He's not going to sit there and, 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 and force himself on you. He's waiting for, he says, behold, I stand at the door and we forget who the Holy Spirit is. The, as a matter of fact, the Bible describes him. When, when Jesus was baptized, John the Baptist baptized Jesus in, in, in the Jordan River and the Holy Spirit descended on him in the form like a what? Dove. A dove. Gentle. Doves mate for life though. They sing a love song toward each other. God loves you. So that's, the, that's the picture of who the Holy Spirit is. He's not going to come put you in a headlock and wrestle you down and say, you better surrender. But he'll stand there and he'll keep. He'll keep. And you've got a choice. Either you can allow him to change your heart or you can just sit there and, and hold on to all the bitterness Hold on to the, all the pain. Hold on to all the depression. Hold on to every single thing, every name that has been the sum total of all of your experiences in life. And you'll, last but not least, invite God into your future because he can change your heart tonight. But listen, Psalms 139, 24, lead me along the path of everlasting life. What is, what is the ultimate goal, heaven? But you know what? There is a path to heaven, and you know where it starts? When it starts? Now. Lead me along the path of everlasting life. I'm looking forward to heaven. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm even so come, Lord Jesus. But you know what? I'm going to live my best life here and now. And it ain't just a Joel Olstein sermon. I don't care if you like him or not. That's another sermon for another day. But you know what? God's got, God has my best life in store for me. I don't have it. Man makes his plans, but God orders its steps, and God's ways is the best way. And the path of everlasting life is the path that I choose tonight. And if you'll allow God to change your heart, he will. I know it's 744. We got to stand. Come on. How many parents y'all will give us to 8 o'clock tonight? Just raise, raise your hand. Okay. All right. Well, that's the consensus. It passed by unanimous vote. I know you, one person don't, said that they don't worry about a clock, but I know some parents under the sound of my issue, we've got school tomorrow. I can just hear them now. Here's the thing. 
I can't do it. I can pray for you. And here's the thing. I can't do it, but I know the one who can do it. Pastor Jennifer said it earlier. And some of you might have took offense to it, but I just want to, I, I want to repeat what she said. You need what I got. And it ain't arrogancy. That ain't an arrogant statement. You need what I got. And you know what that is? Freedom. Freedom from the past. Freedom from failures. Freedom from the pain. Freedom from the words that your mamas and your daddies spoke over you. I wish I had time to tell, I'll tell a quick story. Y'all gave me 15 more minutes. Quick story. And then these altars are open. Here's, here's the altar call tonight. If you need to be changed, transformed, if you need freedom, if you need salvation, if you need anything, period, these all, you, in, in, in three minutes, you're gonna have to run to these altars, okay? Quick story. I'm, I was reminded of this. Um, a pastor I listen to a, a lot, his name's Chris Hodges. His, his father-in-law, who actually founded the ARC, Association of Related Churches, said when he was in grammar school, he had a math teacher who was really stern on him. Said that this man, I believe his name was Billy. Billy was a genius, even as a young person, and didn't even realize it. The teacher one day wrote a math problem on the board, called Billy's name. He, he said, Billy, come to the board, do the problem. He said Billy got up out of his desk, and as he was walking to the, to the chalkboard, he already solved the problem in his mind. So when he got up there, what he did, he just drew a line under the problem, wrote the answer down, went back, sat down, and the teacher said, no, that's wrong, Billy. And Billy said, no, it ain't. It's right. The teacher said, no, it's wrong because you didn't show your work. How many of y'all have ever heard that before? I, I hated showing my work. Now, he said Billy shouldn't have argued with a teacher like this. He said, he said, no, it's right. And, and he he. he you know, shouted at the teacher and the teacher was really embarrassed because, you know, he called him out in front of all the class and this authoritarian math teacher got mad. He said, Billy, you'll never amount to anything in life. And that was written on his heart. From that moment, he checked out of school. He was there physically, but mentally he was, he was checked out. Emotionally, he was checked out, didn't apply himself. Later on in life, he, he, he took a test to work for, um, for Exxon. The guy administered the test, called him up. He, he, said, he said, Billy, I think you need to come in and I need to talk to you about this, this test. It was either Chevron, Exxon, and, and he said, just go ahead and tell me how bad I did. Just go ahead, give it to me. How bad did I do? Because that was what was because of what was written over his heart when he was seven, eight, nine, ten years old. He said, no, I don't think you understand. I, you, need to, you need to come and I, I, you need to sit down. I need to talk to you about your test. So he, 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 he gave in and he went and he sat down and he talked to the supervisor about his test. And when he sat down across from the desk, he said, tell me how bad did I do? He said, no. He said, you, you don't understand. He said, I've never had anyone score as high is what you, you don't even, you're overqualified for the position 
that I'm hiring for. As a matter of fact, he said, and here's what he said. He didn't even really knew what, know what happened to him when he was a young kid, but this is what he did. He said, Billy, if you'll really apply yourself, you'll amount to something one of these days. And he literally reversed the curse. And Billy went on to found the ARC, the Association of Related Churches, founded all these, planted all of these churches worldwide and was wound up to be one of the greatest leaders and preachers of his time because somebody spoke into his life and he, he allowed the name that was written on his heart to change. God can do that for you tonight. I don't care what's been spoken over you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God, I thank you, God, for who you are tonight. And I believe you're going to do a work in this house right now. God, from the front to the back, from wall to wall, Holy Spirit, move. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with our most recent episodes. To find out more, visit us at forwardchurchonline.com. There you can connect with us, learn more about our ministries, and submit any prayer requests you may have. We hope you join us again soon.